Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned. We're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome everybody to another week here at Let Freedom Reign podcast. Our guest this week is Canadian Pro Rodeo Sports Medicine Team Executive Director, Mr. Brandon Tommy. In this episode, we talk about the early history of the sports medicine team, all the miles traveled and man hours that they put into a rodeo season to keep these athletes in pinnacle shape and competing at their best. Brandon is an athletic therapist by trade, but currently oversees logistics and the follow-up care of athletes. Should you find the content of this episode valuable, share it with a friend. Additionally, your five-star ratings and reviews on the podcast platform of your choice would mean the world to us. You can find us on both Facebook and Instagram under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. We hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is our conversation with the Executive Director of the Canadian Pro Rodeo Sports Medicine Team, Mr. Brandon Tommy. But it is an unprecedented time. It is. It um, is. And, and there's, not, uh, you know, there's not much anybody can do about it when... Um, you know, our governments are, are shutting things down and shutting down festivals. And there was announcement um, as of yesterday that in Alberta, at least, um, all festivals have been canceled throughout the summer until September, um, which means a lot of rodeos are going to be canceled. Yeah, yeah. Which means our sports medicine team can't go very far. Um, so we've had... Um, I want to say 30% of the rodeos that we've gone to so far on our schedule this year, um, so far canceled. And I'm, I'm assuming that there's going to be several more. Um, you know, our job is to kind of keep everybody updated on where we'll be and, and where kind of what it looks like. And that's kind of what we've been doing. We've been, you know, there's, there's some rodeos that have been postponed. So, you know, like you said, we'll call those audibles and, and we'll go to those in the fall if, if we're still able to. Um, but for the majority of it, um, there's quite a bit of stuff going on, not only with the, with the coronavirus, but uh, um, with sponsorship and, you know, business having to be closed. And that really affects these rodeos, too. So um, we've been we've been unfortunately had to cancel. But, uh, you know, we're still kind of here for where we are not kind of we are here for the Cowboys and the Cowgirls. And and we're still dealing with, you know, at the end of the day, they're still working. and They're still ranching. They're still working out, so they're still getting injured. So somebody still needs to be on the other end of the line to uh, to make sure they they get what they need. You so, know, it's good. Uh, kinda... It is, and I agree with you with the whole unprecedented thing. And and to kind of jump on a soapbox, this is probably the earliest in an episode that I've ever jumped on a soapbox. But uh, <laughs> you see all these people that are hypercritical, right, about how business is conducted, whether it be the quarantine or treatments or testing or any facet of this this coronavirus deal, and. And I always tell yeah. people that, I mean, the last time we've had anything like this was probably the Spanish flu, right? In the 19, early 1900s, at least for the United States. And yeah. um, it's just incredible. It, this is new for everybody, right? So first and foremost, A, you yeah. probably never, these people who are complaining, probably have never stepped up in an actual leadership role where it affects the community, right? Whether it be law enforcement, healthcare, emergency services, anything of that sort, yeah. right? Um, so you really don't have any foot to stand on. Second of all, it's new for all those people in those positions anyway, right? That are running different counties and districts Absolutely. and provinces and things like that. And uh, 
unfortunately, you have to, and, and this is just my opinion, uh, you got to kind of teach to the lowest common denominator in this capacity. So unfortunately, the rest yep. of us that actually wash our hands and take care of our bodies and are healthy, uh, we're going to have to suffer because we can't be out in public and we can't be exposed to those that maybe don't yeah. treat life with as much intelligence. Absolutely. You know, it's, yep. it's tough, but rules, uh, rules get, rules get made usually for the, for the, uh, common, the last 25% usually. Yeah. And the tough part is that like, it's easy to just sit here and complain and yep. chastise everybody. Uh, why don't, for me, I just don't want to focus on it. Right. I live my life and no. I got all my work yeah. here at the property and, and it keeps me busy and it, it, it makes me happy and we're blessed to have land. Right. And we don't really, we're not constrained yep. by this quarantine too much. Uh, but so much of life is perspective. So you can sit here and you can hole up and you can quarantine yourself and complain about life and how you're isolated and this, that, and the other, or you can get up and you can get to work, right? Whether that's busy work around the house, you know, if you're in a metropolitan setting or, uh, uh, any number of things to, to engage your mind, it's just, it's, it's how you, how you want to make the situation really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, our board of directors is, uh, they're about to meet here within the next week um about how how we can how we can move forward um it is what it is and there's nothing anybody can do about it and we're gonna have to we're gonna have to roll with some punches and we might have to change a few things to uh to get the team down the road a little bit but uh you know as if we're going to be ready once rodeo opens up just like everybody and and uh i'm excited for it once it once it opens up i mean the the hunger is already you can you know I talk to these guys lots and, and lots of different cowboys and cowgirls and they're hungry. They want to get back out there. And, and so, you know, if, if anybody's going to go to a rodeo, once they open back up again, it's, it's going to be good watching. These guys are going to be ready to go. And it's great that you're staying up with these guys and gals, uh, throughout this quarantine, right? Cause like you said, people are still ranching. They're still training. They're still working horses. Dings and dents are going to happen. And, uh, for you guys Absolutely. to be available for them, right. To keep them, basically in game shape until the, the green flag is waved. It's, it's an incredible opportunity that you guys are even able to stay afloat just in that capacity, however minimal it might be. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's been, it's been obviously tough, but it's also been, um, my wife and I talk about it all the time. It's, it's been a bit of a blessing. Um, you know, I, we had to reschedule cause of my daughter's first birthday the last time. And, yeah. um, normally when I'd be, I'd be, you know, busy down the road every week, week in and week out. Um, we've been able to spend some time and, and, uh, hang out with her. So, yeah. um, yeah, it's been, I, I can't really complain, um, with this whole thing, but, uh, we are, uh, we are ready and itching to get out there for sure. Good stuff. So let's get into a little bit of your history. Obviously, we're going to talk today a lot about Canadian pro rodeo sports medicine team and your involvement as an executive yep. director. Um, we know that you're an athletic therapist by trade, but give us a little background of, as far as how you got started in the athletic therapy field and then how that merged into working with pro rodeo athletes. Yeah, you bet. Um, I I went to the University of Calgary um, and I didn't really know what I wanted to take. I knew, I mean, I was a I was an athlete growing up. I played hockey and I golfed and, and uh, I kind of, my family had a ranch in south, southwestern Saskatchewan. Um, I grew up in Medicine Hat. Um, our, our ranch wasn't, was about an hour and a half away from, from Medicine Hat, but, uh, um, spent lots of time out there. I didn't rodeo myself, but, uh, um, I had lots of friends that did. 
and uh, I went to UFC and um, took the. I ended up taking the athletic therapy program. Um, my dad's cousin was the head therapist for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders for 38 years, so I kind of knew what athletic therapy was. Um, it was a really new field when I took it 15 years ago. Um, there had been lots of people still, you know, before me, um, but it was relatively new, and it, it still is relatively new compared to compared to a lot of you know physiotherapy, chiropractic, that that sort of thing. But um, so I took that, and and uh, I had a couple professors, um, Dale Butterwick and Dexter Nelson, um, that had been running the team. Um, it, it was started in 1983 and, and they kind of took it over and well, they started it and then, um, they were both my professors and they kind of knew that I was, uh, had this kind of background in, in the Western lifestyle. And, um, to be quite honest, they needed some more people that could drive a truck and trailer. Um, <laughs> That's and, always the greatest help in our travels, right? So that somebody was, else could drive you know, that that a huge <laughs> That was kind of the, hey, are you interested in this? And, yeah. Oh, by the way, can you drive a 38-foot truck and trailer? Yeah. And uh, I said, yeah, I mean, I've been doing it all my life. And so I went to Rodeo Royal way back in 2003, which is no longer anymore um, here at Calgary. And that summer, I went to the Grand Prairie Stompede for my first uh, rodeo. Um, took the truck and trailer up there by myself had another student actually because we were so you know so minimal minimally based um had a student fly into grand prairie and i picked her up at the airport and and we worked at grand prairie stompede together um back in 2004 um and kind of from there it kind of spanned into um i ended up being um, not, with a business partner of mine, uh, John Reinbolt, we ended up taking over the service manager stuff. Uh, and then the post-medical care follow-up, I ended up becoming the vice president. Um, and just recently, um, we put in a new, new position that's basically all encompassing of what I've been doing for the last 15 years. And that's the executive director. It's incredible. Uh, the, we talked a little bit that you handle a lot of the logistics, right? and follow-up care for these athletes. I mean, let's talk about the volume of rodeos that your staff hits in the course of a, of a rodeo season. Yeah, so when I first started, and I do, we tell lots of people this because it's quite interesting. When I first started, I want to say that we went to, I don't know, 10 rodeos maybe, um, 10 events, which was probably 15, 15 to 30 days of rodeo. Um, last year... Our team attended 62, 62 different events, and it was just shy of 200 perform, 200 days of rodeo. Wow! Um, so you know we we go from um, rodeos anywhere between uh, um, Cloverdale, British Columbia, um, to Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, all the way up to La Crete, Alberta, and as far south as uh, Pincher Creek, uh, Coleman kind of area down by the border of the U.S. So. Um, we usually put on about anywhere between 50 and 60,000 kilometers on our trucks and trailers a year. And, uh, yeah, we have a team of over just shy of 50 practitioners, actually. Um, our practice, athletic therapists, uh, massage therapists that, uh, that go to all these events. So it's grown. And, and, uh, when I first started, we had one truck and one trailer and we went down the road and now we have three trucks and three trailers and, um, 
it's a lot busier. That's incredible. I think the industry as a whole is, uh, as far as sports medicine goes, is really taken off probably in the last decade. Because I think back to being a high school athlete, right? Going to going to the trainer's office was almost frowned upon, right? That you were a yep. wuss or you couldn't take it or you weren't tough enough for whatever that sport was, you know. And then as I get into college, right, you start you start seeing the trainers more often and you're working on, on your actual physical performance and making sure, you know, joints are working right or whatever the given issue is. And now it's to the point where, and I think the athletes, especially in rodeo are now starting to treat this, this sport of rodeo as a traditional professional sport. I mean, guys are eating right, sleeping right, training right, stretching. Uh, The programs in which sports medicine now offers is a lot more intimate and tailored care than it was probably only yeah five six seven maybe ten years ago explain that transition and how how you've seen the field change in that regard yeah i mean i so this is this would be my 15th 16th year of of doing this within rodeo and we have seen a huge a huge trend shift um the biggest the biggest thing that i can think of is you're right they are treating it more like a professional sport um we we've been trying to preach to to guys you know a lot of a lot of our timed event folks the calf ropers the barrel racers the team ropers the steer wrestlers think that you know sports medicine is our team specifically is is really just for um those rough stock guys that get injured um you know they get stomped on they get bucked off whatever um we try to tell everybody that it's not about just being injured it's about feeling and and playing and practicing and competing at your best so if you're driving down the road and you get a kink in your neck and you can't swing your rope or you swing your rope biomechanically a little bit different because your neck's tight you're going to miss you're not going to be at the top of your game and that's we've been trying to to get it ingrained in everybody's heads that it's not just about being um you know having a broken ankle or coming in because you tore your acl it's about performance it's yeah. about yeah. performance medicine more so than injury medicine yeah um, i mean obviously there's the there's the side of injury medicine too that we that we deal with but you know coming in and getting a, a quick adjustment or a, or a quick massage after you've been driving for eight hours to the rodeo um is going to allow you to be the best to be able to compete at the at the top of your game and be be your best that's going to give you the best opportunity to win money um, you know, and, and you always got to think, and these guys started to think and they're started to see it that, um, my competition is in there. They're doing those things. So I better start doing it or I'm going to fall behind. And, and that's kind of where, you know, when Canadian champions and world champions start working out and they start doing the yoga and they start eating right and they start treating it like a sport, um, all these new generations coming up, see that, um, and they've started to do it. It's started to become a regular, a regular thing. Um, there's lots of, lots of just rodeo cowboys that that's what they do for a living. So no different than any other hockey player, football player, baseball player that they work out in the off season. And during the year, they, they do their, they do their thing. And, um, that's their job. It's incredible, uh, especially mean, when you talk about a lot of these sports, right? A paycheck is decided on a fraction of a, se- a second or, just one more yeah. catch than, than, than the next guy. And, uh, why not? And I think in my observation, right? Sports medicine historically has been kind of a, a reactive approach, a defensive approach, right? You get dinged Absolutely. up, you get your joint taped up, whatever, and you get back into it. But now 
it seems like programs are so more offensive, like you talked about, keeping that body at optimal performance, whether it is just a, a small adjustment or spending a little bit more time stretching a joint, you know, or getting a muscle warmed up. Yeah. And it matters. You know, I remember the first time in my career when we were told we were going to do yoga, I thought it was a joke. I seriously right. was like laughing, like, you got to be kidding me. You're not going to get a bunch of these athletes to sit here and do yoga. And then it became part of our our normal routine after that. And it just, it was a great way to start our training sessions, you know, just get that body warmed up, get that body prepared, get our minds right. It was good for our minds, right, to be able to focus because there's so many distractions in, in sports and so much of athletics is the mental side of sports and, and whether or not you can control your mind under pressure and stress and yeah, it's been it's been it's been way different. It, you're you're totally right. Um, it is a lot more uh, offensive versus reactive um, approach to approach to sports medicine for sure. Um, and I mean uh, that I I work professional hockey, I work professional football, I work professional baseball. So I saw that always happening, and it always frustrated me that that the cowboys and cowgirls weren't taking that same approach. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, over the course of the last 15 years, we've really tried to tried to instill that into into uh, our programs and into these these guys' heads, and and uh, you know, you're starting to see it happen. Um, a lot of it had a lot of it, I think, had, in the end, had to do with you know what they watch their dads do or what they watch their grandpas do, right? Well, so this much of the sport is, is founded in right that oral history you know that's nothing's really documented per se but it's what the last generation taught you and there's always been the ego of of having to be tough right having to be rough to be a cowboy and and yeah it's true the job is demanding yes it is physical yes you do have to be tough but i think rodeo represents the asterisks in that you know because of the physical performance side of it no i was just i was just gonna say it's you know it it, it's they've kind of tried to calm the calm the um the nerves of their parents you know where you know oh you don't need to go do that oh you don't need to go into there that's for the guys that are hurt right yeah yeah um and and when they see them going in there now it's it's a lot different right the yeah. the parents of the parents of the young kids are now those kids that you know the parents that uh have grown up in for the last 15 years and now they're having kids so now they're starting to kind of ingrain that piece into their kids' heads versus the other way about just being tough. Right. So, yeah. um, we're starting to, we're starting to see it, it all change, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for the better. So that's good. Now I, I want to talk about, I guess it pertains to all, all horse athletes, right? People that ride, ride, whether it be for living or for pleasure, but what are things that folks can do to maybe small changes in their program or their warm up routine to kind of better prepare themselves for riding, to alleviate injuries. Um, I know for me personally, stretching is a big deal and I really try to work on flexibility before I jump on every time. But in your experience, are there things that would benefit the human and the human performance going into riding or working with horses? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing is, is, is you're, you're dead right. As far as a warm up is concerned. Um, again, it's one of those things that hockey players, football players, baseball players have been doing it for years. Yeah. Um, it's just what's you before every practice, before every, every, um, competition, before every game you have, you know, you show up three hours before 
before an event and, and guys start mentally preparing and they start, you know, physically preparing and that, you know, they jump on a bike and they get really warm or they go for a run and they get warm and then they start doing their dynamic stretches. And, um, the hard part for rodeo is that you might show up 10 minutes before you, you know, cause you're coming from one <laughs> yeah. rodeo to another. Yes. And so you're, you know, you just been in the car all night driving to try to get to the rodeo on time and you show up five minutes before your uh your event and and uh um or you know you got to quickly get ready and get going and but uh you know getting that warm-up in i think is crucial and if there's anything that they can do to to uh get warm and get the stretches i mean that's key especially when you're driving and you know a lot of times you're not just it's not just you, you know, having the space you need in your car. There's probably five of you in a car and you're cramped. And, <laughs> and everybody's eating chips right? and like, soda. And <laughs> right. So I think, I think that, and I know we're, we've been putting out a bunch of videos and, um, it with the, in conjunction with the Ty Posbon foundation. Um, and these are, these are things that we're going to start to, um, to start to make in kind of ingrained, into making some videos like a nutrition video and stretching videos and stuff like that so that these guys have some some resources to do but um i mean in general you know we usually take try to take bikes to events and you know guys are using the bikes a lot more to try to get warm or you see some some dynamic stretching going on um that's the biggest thing is is you need to get you need to get warm somehow um your your muscles are just like an elastic band so you can stretch a lot further with, you can stretch a elastic band a lot further when it's warm versus when it's cold. When it's cold, it usually snaps, um, and your muscles are no different. So the warmer you can get them, the 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 more pliable your muscles are going to be, and and the, the risk of that injury is going to be a lot less. Um, so that would be that's my advice to everybody all the time, and then. After you're done riding, the I always try to tell people I don't care if you go have a beer right after, but drink drink some water first. Yeah, yeah, right. Like you got to rehydrate your muscles after you just work them out. Um, there's studies that show that that have showed you know um, riding a bull for eight seconds is no different than doing an hour long workout on the demand on your body. That's incredible. I never even thought uh, about that. You know, and so. Um, you know, to be able to just go and, you know, crush a beer right after or whatever you're going to do, um, <laughs> it's not going to do anything yeah. to your muscles. It'll yeah. be, like, be like going and doing an hour-long workout and then, you know, having two or three beer after, which is a dehydrant, not a hydrator. Yeah, yeah. I think it's right? incredible so, thinking back. When I was in college, I mean, it was it was forced on us in our curriculum. We had to take classes regarding substance abuse. We had to take classes regarding performance nutrition, not just eating healthy, but eating healthy for the athlete. And uh, yeah. it was a big deal. I mean, at one point we had um, nutritionists, right, that fed us how our body needed to be fed given our, our specific position. And it's incredible yeah. to think that performance can really come down to those small differences, right? The guy that wins is staying hydrated, staying fed, is staying stretched, and the guy that's not is smoking Marlboros and drinking Coors. You know, right? It's crazy. I mean, these days, more often than not, that is the case. Yeah, yeah because that was the rehab program historically, right? <laughs> you get Absolutely. done, you're sore, you go drink some beer and sit at your trailer, and then jump in the truck and go to the next one. 
That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We previously spoke with Dr. Smith up at uh, Heart of the Horse back in September of last year. That's kind of how the connection yep. was made. And he talked about the importance of the Tide Positive Bond Foundation and, and all the work that you guys do concurrently with that. So let's talk a little bit about that relationship. Maybe set a little context as to what the foundation offers, kind of its formulation, and how the two of you have integrated to to pioneer Canadian pro rodeo sports medicine. Two years ago, um, we lost a you know a staple, probably one of the best bull riders that we ever had in Canada, um, to suicide. Um, he had a he had a history of concussions, and um, uh, that eventually caught up with them. And they donated his mom and dad and and uh, family donated his brain to the University of Washington. And it was um, it came back that he he ended up having CTE, um, you know, due to due to due to the concussions that he that he had previously had. And yeah. Um, a bunch of a bunch of his friends and family got together and and uh, they didn't want his legacy to die, um, and so they they created the Ty Pozvon Foundation. Um, you know Tanner Byrne, um, Tanner Gerlitz, Chad Bestplug, Ted Stoven, um, his mom and dad, um, brothers, sisters. They they all kind of met and they they decided that they were going to do something for the betterment of rodeo and bull riding in Canada in the Western lifestyle. Um, and they thus came up with the Thai Pazvan Foundation. Um, and their basic premise is to, it's just like ours. It's the betterment of the rodeo athlete or the Western lifestyle athlete in and out of the arena. Um, that goes as far as the physical side, the mental side. Um, and so we basically, because Ty was a bull rider first and he was a rodeo athlete second, um, they decided that they they were going to make steps to getting our sport medicine team to every single PBR event that year. So in 2017, we we attended um, as a sport med team. We went to every single PBR, um, provided care there, and followed up with all the athletes. And and uh, since then, um, they're doing a lot of work um, behind the scenes. Um, creating a whole bunch of different programs and education programs. And, um, we concurrently work with them, um, building videos. So our team on our website has put together two videos, um, so far, one on mental health and one on concussions. Um, we're going to move to building some more videos, but they're also doing a bunch of stuff with, um, business one-on-one classes. Um, trying to help these guys, you know, manage their business of being a rodeo athlete or a Western lifestyle athlete a little bit better. Um, so it's really just about the whole being um, and taking care of the whole Western lifestyle athlete instead of just one part of it. Um, and so that's kind of where we work with them. Our, our mandates are, are almost identical. Um, and yeah, we work with them day to day. I'm in constant contact with those guys all the time and, and uh, it helps that a lot of them were are are really good friends of mine, so um, we're able to to keep in contact and just kind of keep trying to better the sport as as best as we can. It's incredible when you start talking about CTE and how scary it is. And uh, I personally had several concussions uh, as a high school athlete, uh, two of which were relatively major. And one incident, uh, I was playing football, and and it was coming towards the end of the game, and 
I was playing quarterback and a bunch of guys were congratulating me on how, how well I had done in the second half, right? I had just gone off throwing all these passes everywhere and flying all over the field. And I literally had no recollection. I had no clue what they were talking about. I was out on the field. I guess I was doing great. I had no idea until I watched film later. Um, And I played nearly two full quarters of football and had no recollection of it. It was unbelievable. And that kind of scared me there. Uh, and then I lost some opportunities in baseball because of a concussion. I had to sit out for quite a long time to let my brain heal. And, uh, I just lost my skill set and, and lost some opportunities at some schools. And then now that CTE has kind of come to light and you look at some of these football studies of, of professional American football players. And I mean, these guys are in their mid twenties, uh, late twenties, and their brains are just absolutely destroyed from the repetitive impact of playing since they were you know, eight, nine, ten years old. Yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, it's an, it's an interesting, and that again is something that's totally, totally started to change in the last. You know, this for rodeo, it's changed. You know, in the last three to four years, um, in sport, I mean, it's it's been changing for quite a while. But um, it's good to see that um, you know guys are starting to they're starting to protect each other and they're, they're starting to, you know, tell each their traveling partners, you know, you're not good to get on or um, the education side of it and making these videos is in my opinion is key to uh, key to the whole mental health and, and um, head injury side. Um, You know, they have to look out for each other because we're not, no, you know, there's not always people there that don't. Um, And so we've kind of tried to, Along with the foundation, we've been trying to kind of give these guys the tools that they need to to look out for themselves and and get the help that they need when they need it. And so, so, so much of that out. support, you know, when you, when you talk about you know treating the rodeo athlete as a complete package, as far as the mental health side goes, uh, obviously your physical well being plays a huge role in how you perform. How you perform has a huge role in how you feel. Right, the money that you win, being able to correctly manage that money. Uh, I was yep. talking with a former guest here on the show and he had won hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, as a young, young kid and coming from no money at all and getting handed these huge checks from these big victories. Uh, he said, dude, I, I blew the lion's share of it, just blew it away because I'd never seen it before. You know, I didn't know how, I have any idea on how to invest or think about the future or, you know, just allocate a budget. I just saw a whole boatload of cash and I was young and I wanted to have a good time and I did. And I had nothing to show for when it comes down to it, you know? And so the financial health of these athletes, the physical health of these athletes, the mental health of these athletes, I mean, it adds to longevity. So when these guys do get, you know, in their mid thirties, you know, forties, some of the timed event guys can obviously go a lot longer. Uh, but when they do hang them up, they can live a life outside of rodeo and they're financially secure and they're able to thrive and not, not fall back on some of these addictions or, or substance abuse issues, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that's the, that's the biggest thing is, is when you're, um, it seems a lot, a lot in rodeo and, and in, in everything really in sport period is you, it's hard to get out. Um, if you've only ever been known as a hockey player, if you've only ever been known as a bull rider, if you've only ever been known as a tie down roper, you by retiring or by leaving the sport, you, you in a sense, lose your identity. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so trying to, trying to get, 
you know, and, and get these guys' heads wrapped around, you know, that there is life after the sport and what does that look like? And it doesn't mean that you have to be out of the sport. It just means you can't be competing in the sport. And, you know, you lose your, you not only do you lose your identity sometimes, you also lose your community, right? Um, you grow up in rodeo, your kids are in rodeo and, um, you know, your dad was a rodeo competitor and now all of a sudden it's like, Oh, what do I do now? Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of trying to, to, to load these, load everybody with, um, options, um, that you aren't just a rodeo athlete. You aren't, you're a, you're a person and you need to look after what, you know, what you're not going to be able to rodeo forever. Um, you know, that's the, that's the devastating blow. when when you, you know, have a career ending injury, you don't get to go out on your own terms. And so if you're in a better position to go out on your own terms, then it's going to make that transition a little bit easier. And that's what I try to tell folks. I I experienced the same exact thing. I washed out of baseball in my mid twenties. It was relatively quick after, after college. And I had those same feelings. I mean, I had friends that went on and were very, very successful in professional sports. And, uh, I would say for probably three, maybe four years after that, uh, after I hung them up, uh, I didn't want anything to do with it. I didn't want to talk to my baseball friends. I didn't want to go to baseball games. I didn't want to watch it on TV. Like I was just bitter, right? Because the game had basically been swept out from underneath me is how I felt. Um, and it was tough and it was a huge disservice and I missed out on a lot of great opportunities. And when I got back into the sport, you know, and going to some of these games and going back down to spring training and visiting friends and things of that sort, it, it felt good because it was familiar. But what I try to tell people in, in their transitions in life, such as that, right? Something that you have buried your identity in, which first and foremost is not healthy to put your identity in something, uh, yeah. But the skills, right? What what it took for you to become that successful athlete, what it took for you to find all the success that you have in life, like those core characteristics of you as a person do not change. Now, the focus in which you apply those characteristics might change and it will change with the seasons of life, right? Nothing is forever. Uh, but I try to get folks to focus on that, right? If you If you're a hard worker, you're a hard worker. It doesn't matter if you're rowing, if you're doing rodeo, if you're barbecuing, right? You're just going to work hard ine- inevitably. So just because you can't yep. work hard at what made your identity or what you think made your identity doesn't mean that you are less valuable as a person. And uh, sometimes that's a, it's a difficult transition. And I can speak from personal experience. I did not do well those first couple of years out, out of baseball. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a difficult thing. And, and, uh, the, there's so much in, there's so much Western lifestyle ingrained into rodeo, um, that it does become very difficult to get out. Yeah. Um, but it, it's very difficult to get out of anything. So it's kind of one of those things that we just have to keep, keep moving forward and keep telling these, telling everybody that, you know, arming them with the tools that, that'll help them to get out and, and uh, we have lots of resources and the Western Sports Foundation has a lot of resources and the found- Ty Pazwan Foundation has lots of resources and um, we're always trying to build them for, for everybody so that, uh, you know, we want them to stay in the sport as long as possible. But if they're ready to ready to get out, they need to be ready to get out. Well, and the thing is, too, is you got to check your ego, right? Especially with... Uh... You just talked about it, right? Asking for help. If there's resources, don't matter if nobody's willing to seek them out. And 
and there's always that that kind of lone wolf mentality. Well, I'm going to do this on my own. But if there's people out there that are genuinely going to help you, and especially help you perform better, and that performance is going to equal a paycheck, I personally would be asking for all the help in the world, you know. But overcoming those historical stigmas is is quite the challenge in in a lot of this. But it's great to see that organizations are working together, right? There's not the competition amongst organizations for, for help or services offered. It's great that we have social media, that we have all these different media platforms in which you can put out this educational material. So when guys are driving numerous hours between events, you know, they can jump on a device and watch a video on training or watch a video on stretching or, or, or watch a video to help increase their value in their sport, to increase their longevity and their overall health. So let's transition a little bit. I want to I want to go back to the efforts of Canadian Pro Rodeo Sports Medicine and let's kind of talk about a typical day for you and your staff, right? When you show let's talk about showing up to an event, some of the the treatments that you might do uh pre-event, what you do during the event and then how you go through post-event care and actually follow-up care beyond uh, an injury or an event. Yeah, you bet. Um we show up, our team will, our team usually shows up um two hours before every event. Um, usually we're there a little bit earlier, obviously get the trucks and trailers set up and, and make sure everything is ready to go. Um, so that we're there two hours before. Um, and once we're set up, it's, you know, cowboys and cowgirls start, start coming in and, and, um, we do a lot of different things. Our athletic therapist will, will um, you know, if there's if guys and girls are coming off of an injury off of another rodeo, um, we might you know look at their injury and and see should you or should you not compete? Is this a, you know is this a good idea for you? And if we decide that it is a good idea, how can we help you? So it might be a tape job, it might be um, you know put, making a brace, uh, it might be just helping you stretch, it might be wrapping your you know hamstring if you if you tore your hamstring a little bit. Um, we do a lot, our athletic therapists will do a lot of stretching, a lot of injury management type stuff. Um, and meanwhile, our uh, chiropractors and the massage therapists are, are um, you know, doing the same thing. They're evaluating um, where everybody's at and, and giving some adjustments and uh, some massages and making sure everybody's limbered up. You know, there's a lot of activity around our trailer. Um, guys warming up, guys stretching, asking for help, getting their tape jobs. They come in, they get their tape. Um, one of the things that we like to try to do is um, teach tape jobs to each individual so that um, they can do it if we're at, they can do it on their own um, if they're, if they're at an event that, that we're not at. Um, and so there's a lot of education going on in the trailer. And then when we move closer to uh, rodeo time, um, you know, we'll go in all at every rodeo or event, there has to be EMS personnel there. Um, and so we'll go and introduce ourselves to the EMS and make sure that we're all on the same page in case anything catastrophic happens in the arena. Um, and then during the event, it's a, it's a lot of the, a lot of the same stuff. Um, we're watching for injuries, um, watching to see mechanism of injury to see, you know, did you get hung up and did you get your knee twisted? Did you come off your horse and twist your ankle? Um, you can, you can, the diagnostic, the diagnosis process of injuries is a lot easier when you actually see it happen. Yeah, um, that's true. So we're, you know, we're watching, we're watching the rodeo, we're watching the event, um, looking for those mechanisms of injury. Um, if anything happens in the arena, um, we're usually the first ones into the arena to, uh, you know, to, to evaluate. And, and if we need the EMS, we call them in and, and, uh, 
try to get that, that athlete out of the arena as quickly as possible and as safely and, and effectively as we can. Um, post event, same sort of deal, um, ice and joints down, you know, providing some cool down stretches, um, getting them ready to go for their, to the next rodeo, to the next one, to the next weekend. Um, if they can't, then it's kind of that go into that post medical follow-up type stuff. Um, we have practitioners all over Western Canada, um, including physicians that we work with. And so, you know, if you're going back home to Kamloops, British Columbia, um, we're going to try to help you set up, you know, some, some therapy there, unless you already have your, your guy or your, your, your girl. Um, we'll work with, uh, we work with anybody to get them into the, the right channels, whether it be a sports medicine physician that then sends them on to an orthopedic surgeon or, you know, just into their regular therapy and making sure that they're ready to go for the next event. Um, that involves a lot of phone calls throughout the week. And, and, you know, if there are any concussions that happen there, um, we do a lot of follow-up and make sure that uh, guys are ready to go for, for the next one before they get back on. So that includes, you know, some return to play protocols, make sure they're making sure they're doing the exercise and having no symptoms before they, before they go to start getting back on again. So, um, that's usually, we'll usually show up at an event for a seven o'clock start. We usually show up at about four, four thirty, Um, and we usually leave, you know, 10, 30, 11, depending on how many injuries we've had and, and what it looks like after. And it's incredible. The, the, the events can, you know, you talk about sitting around watching these events, these events can get real busy, real fast, you know, and, and when you talk about me- mechanism of injury, I mean, there's incredible amounts of compression and force. Uh, over the course of a rodeo, so the mechanism's probably there every single run, and it's just whether or not that athlete can hold up. And I could imagine where things get quite chaotic sometimes in the middle of some of these rodeos. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you go you go from one to the other, and when they really start to get chaotic is, um, you know, when the when the timed event um, folks start to get hurt, right? Because you know that's usually typically they don't you know, in arena stuff, they don't usually get too banged up. It's kind of the, the chronic overuse injuries where, where they kind of start to, um, feel their pain. Yeah. You know, when you're swinging or when you're swinging a rope, you know, 10,000 times a summer that starts to wear on your, <laughs> yeah. starts yeah. to wear, starts to wear on your shoulder. Right. And, um, but yeah. it starts to get chaotic during the event when, you know, they're hurting their knees or they're, you know, steer wrestlers taking a horn to the head or, yeah. you know, those are kind yeah. of the, those where you kind of take the, the downtime, if you will, obviously we're still watching those events and making sure those guys are okay, but it's kind of a, a breather from the, from the in arena stuff, even though our chiropractors and massage therapists are usually quite busy throughout the whole thing, but um, it gets pretty It can get chaotic when, uh, when uh, the time to vent into individuals start getting hurt. It's great that you guys, I was thinking about it as you're describing it, you know, uh, an individual comes to you for treatment, whether it's pre or post uh, event, and then they go home for the week or go on to the next rodeo, you know, it's, it's not to say that they're going to get consistent treatment, but it's great that you guys have a network of practitioners in which you can refer these athletes and keep everybody on the same page because so much of that recovery is right. The, the, the consistency of the rehabilitation or the consistency of the support of that injury. And, you know, you take a day or two off and, and you could fall behind real quick. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, getting they're they're normally 
throughout the rodeo season. They're, you know, normally getting treated at least once a weekend, um, depending on what event we're at or where we're at. Um, we try our, one of our things was to try to make sure that we were at one rodeo weekend or one rodeo on every weekend throughout the year. That way they could at least see us once, at least once a weekend yeah. and get that treatment, yeah. you know, that they need or, or get that assessment that they need. Um, but you're, you're dead, right? Um, the, there's a lot of people that always ask how come, you know, professional athletes can come back so much quicker from injury. And that's because all they do all, all day when they're injured is, is end of their injury. That becomes your 40 hour work week. Yes. Right. That's your work week. You're not, you know, why does it take, you know, a regular, you know, weekend warrior, you know, a month or a year to, you know, 16 months to come back from an ACL injury. Well, cause you have to go to work still. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get to rehab all, all day, every day. Yeah. Um, you know, so they're, you know, it, it, throughout the week, the, the care that they get throughout the week is, is paramount. It's key to, to their success at the next weekend. So, um, if we can help them try to find that, those people and, and get the best care and, and, uh, so they can, they can continue on. That's what we're trying to do. So how can individuals become more educated as far as like the material you guys, you talk about, you're, you're in the process of producing or, or that you have made available. Where, where are places people can find more information on you guys as an entity? Um, I mean, we have all the social media channels, obviously, just like everybody else. Um, the majority of, we try to use our acronym, the CPRSMT, um, at the majority of them, but our website is pro rodeo, ProRodeoSportMed.com, um, and all of our information we have find find um, find a therapist or find a practitioner on there. Um, you can go on and all their clinic information that anybody that works with us um, is there. Obviously, um, most rodeo cowboys and cowgirls have my phone number or know where to find it, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is good and bad. Yes, yes. <laughs> So if anybody's ever looking for, you know, more information, they can always phone me. My phone's always on, but, um, yeah, the majority is, you know, it, there's links from the from the, um, pro rodeo Canada. There's links from PBR Canada. There's, there's links from the Ty Osborne foundation website, um, that goes right to our website. And we try to keep our website with our schedule and, you know, mental health links and, and injury links and, and all those videos and education stuff. Uh, right there at everybody's fingertips on the website. Uh, very easy to navigate and very easy to use. And do you guys have, I know uh, funding's never a, a comfortable topic to talk about, but being that you're a nonprofit, and, uh, I know down here the Justin Justin Sports Medicine team, right, has a foundation in which people can contribute and help keep these athletes going. Do you guys have an equivalent where people can reach out and try to help maybe financially as far as donating to the program? Yeah, uh, there's there's two different, so um, because we work with pro pro athletes is what they what they say. We haven't ever been able to get our tax our tax um, number mm-hmm. to be full to be a full full charitable to get your full gotcha. charitable status. Um, and so the donation, um, you know, we put together lots of different events. We've in the in the past we've had a, a cowboy downhill ski race like they do at Steamboat Springs. Um, we've had our Canadian version up here up here. Um, we have our um, Canadian Cowboy Classic Golf Tournament that uh, lots of people donate money to. Um, 
we're looking to put together a sportsman's dinner, um, same sort of deal. Um, but where the Ty Posbon Foundation has kind of come into play for us, which has been huge, um, is they do have their tax, their charitable number. Um, mm-hmm. and they do, you can get a tax, you can get a tax write off, um, for that with donating to the foundation. So I would say if anybody was looking to, to donate money, um, we're all going to the same cause. Obviously we need our money too, but, um, that both of those are, are two different options depending on how you work through <laughs> the financial side of it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So as we wrap every episode, we like to we like to focus on freedom here, right? And oftentimes we frame a question about, you know, in life experience, whether it's personal or professional, uh, what is something that you have had to overcome to afford and yourself greater freedom? Um, but being that this episode focuses or has focused more on education of athletic performance and taking care of yourself, what are maybe some freedoms that you could afford people or help educate people to keep them in a little bit better shape, not only for the prof- professional rodeo athlete, but for the people that do it, quote unquote, nine to five day in and day out, what are some things that they can do to provide a little better care for themselves? Um, the biggest, the biggest thing that I would say to, to folks is, um, you know, focus on, focus on what you can control. Um, you know, whether that's the physical or the mental health, the mental health side of things or the physical health side of things, you can all control that. Um, and asking for help, I think to me, asking for help and reaching out is the biggest freedom that anybody can do. Um, it frees your mind, you know, it doesn't have to be, I was talking to, uh, I listened to a podcast, Brett Gardner live the other night. Yeah. Um, and they were talking a lot about mental health and mental fitness and, and mental awareness. And, um, that's one of the biggest things is it doesn't have to be a, a psychologist or a sociologist or, you know, or a counselor. Um, it can be a friend and having a conversation with somebody about anything, just, it frees you up. It lifts that huge weight off your chest. Um, you know, and they might not have, all they have to do is listen. Um, and so the biggest freedom that I can, you know, tell anybody um, is listening to your body and asking for help when you need it, whether that be physical or mental or, yeah, yeah. you know, if, if you're just dragging down and, you know, you're going from event to event, you're going from day to day and you have a nagging knee injury that you don't want to get looked at or you have a nagging thought in the back of your head that you don't want to address, all it's going to do is weigh you down. Yeah. Um, there's nothing, nothing in my opinion that's free about any of that. Yeah. Um, and so as, as soon as you can get that knee looked at, or as soon as you can get that weight lifted off your chest, um, a, your performance is going to be better. B your day to day is going to be better and, and C you're just going to live a happier life. Yeah. It's incredible when you talk about worrying about what you can control and kind of disregarding the rest. It, for me, there was a point in my life where I literally, every time I would get fired up about a situation, I would try to make a conscious effort to ask myself, okay, given this scenario, what can I control? And oftentimes I would find out that things that I could not control were the catalyst for my emotional deray. You know, I, I would go, yeah. I would yeah. just go afraid because of things that were beyond my control. And, and I would be over emotionally, excuse me, emotionally over invested in it. And, and once you start focusing on what you can control, uh, life gets a heck of a lot easier. Uh, it takes a conscious effort and takes a lot of hard work to do so. But, uh, the success is, is not that difficult to achieve. And, 
And I love that you touched on the mental health side of things, because that's obviously the foundation of a lot of this show is how, how human performance can better, right, through horses and horsemanship in this Western way of life. But for the most part, the old stigma of help in the in the realm of mental health of going to a psychiatrist or going to a psychologist, I mean, yes, there are those levels that need to be achieved. But mental health, like for me, right, I was just absolutely inundated with work this last week. I don't know. I put 120-something hours in over eight days or something like that, nine days. It was it was tough. But for me, like my mental health treatment for myself, I poured a cup of coffee my first day off and I sat in a rocking chair on the back of my property and just watched everything come awake in the morning, right? The birds start chirping and the rabbits start running through the pasture yeah. and things of that sort. That was my mental health release, and I think people need to get over the stigma of, well, I got to see a psychologist, or I got to see a psychiatrist, or I'm going to have to unload all these crazy feelings. No, you just need to do something that recharges your battery for life. It doesn't have to be difficult. You know, it could be reaching out to a friend. It could be sitting horseback and just feeling the horse breathe underneath you, you know, looking out over a pasture. It doesn't have to be these huge clinical approaches. Yep. Need to need to find what works for you, really. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We're all in this stuff together. Well, Brandon, I sure appreciate your time and and you setting time aside for us here on the show and educating us on the pro rodeo sports medicine efforts going on up there in Canada. And if there's anything that we can do to help you, uh, do not hesitate to reach out. We definitely enjoy the material. We enjoy supporting the circle that that kind of push the common mission and the common goals of everybody here at Let Freedom Rain Podcast. So we cannot thank you enough for your time, my friend. Yeah, I, I sure appreciate the offer, and uh, yeah, I look forward to uh, to hearing it, and I look forward to the comments. Yeah, maybe next time we're up there in Canada, if there's a rodeo, we'll try to stop on by. Absolutely. We would enjoy that. Thanks, Jason. Have a good one. Hey, thanks for riding along with another episode of Let Freedom Reign Podcast and being part of our Freedom family. If you want to provide greater support of this show, visit patreon.com forward slash Let Freedom Reign Podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Let Freedom Reign Podcast. And Reign is spelled R-E-I-N. There you can provide a donation at a cost less than the fancy cup of coffee you're probably holding to help us produce free weekly content. For collaborations, to book us as a guest for your next event or to make guest recommendations, email us at info.lfrpodcast at gmail.com. For the most up-to-date information on Let Freedom Reign, visit our Facebook and Instagram page at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Additionally, you can find us on Twitter at Let Freedom Reign underscore. We cannot thank you enough for being our most loyal listeners, and we'll see you on the next one.